Real Marketing Rap is brought to you by Tim Bush and me, Joe Edwards. And we talk about everything marketing. We'll tell you as it is, jargon free and no BS. We'll have guests every week from high rollers to first starters, all from different industries and disciplines within the marketing world. We're here to set the record straight with nothing but marketing realness. Hey Tim, welcome. We've finally, is this the first or like second episode we've managed to do in 2018 because it, it feels like the first but it maybe we did one like before the first i've got a funny feeling it might have actually been the second but it yeah you how long it yeah exactly so we're really sorry listeners we actually were had high ambitions of being able to do this i think we were looking at trying to do it fortnightly um we then thought maybe monthly and now it's become quarterly so uh <laughs> we've, we've got some work to do basically <laughs> But yeah, at least it's good we've managed to get another one in and we'll, we'll try and get another one in um, sooner uh, rather than later um, for the next episode. So, But no promises when that's going to be quite yet. Um, so this week we're going to be talking um, to a wonderful gentleman with an amazing beard called Anthony Dunn um, from Never Get Never Grey. And we're really going to be talking about th- you know social good and marketing good and how those two things kind of come together um, for businesses. And, and, and really, I guess uh, we kind of covered off a lot about the kind of authenticity as well, didn't we? Um, so we'll speak with um, Anthony about that and get into the interview. And then following that, we're probably going to have a little bit of a conversation about all things data, given that the uh, Cambridge Analytica breach, Facebook, GDPR, personalization, and all those wonderful things. And then I think uh, in true real marketing rap style, um, we have a real marketing rant uh, from Tim, and then I guess we'll do a bit of a wrap up and uh, call it a day. So, should we get on with the interview? Let's do it. Let's dive in. Cool, wicked, wicked. <laughs> cool, Anthony, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. It's been a little while. Thank you. Well, um, been that yeah, long. not been really. A couple of weeks actually, but um, but there we go. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but no, really great to get you uh, actually on the show. I know we've been talking about it for ages, but we finally yeah. got it to happen. Um, despite the fact that Skype wasn't really our friend today, we uh, we finally got there in the end. But um, but yeah, really great to have you here. And um, also, we've we've known each other for for a little while with all the work we were doing at Bet. But um, just for the, the sake of uh, our listeners, do you want to maybe just give a quick intro to your good self? Um, Kind of potted history, if you like. Oy, um, that's the hardest question, and you've led with it right at the start. Um, Straight for the judge. So I hate that talking about yourself is horrible. Uh, so I'm Anthony, as you said. I formerly uh, was the head of a brand called Bet, which is a very large education technology show. Um, studied events and marketing at university, uh, where I crudely thought that I could make people walk into a room and enjoy themselves and I think uh, that was half my kind of motivations towards getting into the events world was to see people enjoy themselves um, which actually seems, seems quite sycophantic if you think about it um, and through that found yeah the uh, job in an events uh, got into a marketing role and then discovered brand management which kind of fueled my fire for a number of years and then since leaving Bet, I've set up a company with my partner Kate called Nevergrey, uh, which is all around social purpose and supporting people, uh, individuals or companies that are driven by social purpose. So if they have ambition to change the world and make an impact, then we really want to kind of help champion them and do what we can for them. So it's quite a fun uh, premise for a company. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And um, I know you kind of what about it. 18 months into that now, roughly? I think so. I think I've lost my hair all over again with it, to be honest. Um, and I think that's kind of the beauty of, uh, yeah, making the leap. I think Kate has a really great saying from a family, which is uh, leap and the net will appear, which I really love. And yeah, um, it was quite a big kind of aspiration to then do and take over what I wanted to do and what we were passionate about. Um and do it for yourself is quite a scary prospect. So far, touch wood, 18 months in or so, as you say. Uh, yeah, we're still doing it. So can't be doing, can't be doing badly. 
No, that was cool. You, you're up to some, some really awesome stuff. And, um, you know, I'm kind of, um, you know, been, been watching you develop this over uh, these last 18 months. And, you know, you're definitely doing some, some really sort of fun and, uh, and important work, I guess, um, more, mm-hmm. uh, more significantly. But um, I guess, again, just to kind of frame the conversation, um, why should organisations really prioritise social good programmes uh, as part of their their kind of marketing plans are why prioritize this you know particularly when off the organizations are kind of more focused on on kind of roi and all that good stuff uh, than ever before where does this kind of fit in the grand scheme of things i mean I, i'm really sold on on the whole importance of this so you know you're preaching to the converted with me but um just in terms of our, our broader listeners you know what impact can this have on on overall kind of you know revenue and and all of those kind of more sort of pragmatic kind of business objectives. Um, yeah, um, I think for me, I've always talked about value. I think I think it all comes down to my passion in particular for um, developing and delivering on value. So I think that's where it's kind of stemmed from from outside, and obviously uh, the world's gone to pot a little bit as well, which kind of helps. Uh, you don't necessarily need much in terms of motivation to kind of look at just socially and politically just what is happening to us as a human race so to speak i think that's really interesting in itself and i think the development of technology and us as human beings is continuing at such a rate that i think i don't know i think it's really important so many different uh, elements to it uh, but for me i think it's all down to value um what a company stands for in particular is always fascinating. Like uh, companies say that they want to change the world, but I've said before, and I'm really interested around that aspect because every single organization that was ever created set up to change something. That's, that's really quite interesting to me that nobody set out a business at all, I would imagine, uh, across the world to, um, to do anything other than make a difference. So, for us, I just think from our side, it's great companies that know their customers and they want to serve them. And that's from my previous work where I was head of brand all the way through. It's kind of unearthing what's going on and what's going on with your customer base surely matches the ambition and revenue, etc. like creates growth for a company if you can just understand value, what you produce. Joe? This might lead on to like another, maybe a little bit of the next question, but I think one of the things, and maybe it's just me being a bit of a skeptical marketer as I, I tend to be, is like how how can, because you look at these big corporate companies doing these social good things, and sometimes there's a little bit of me, and maybe it's the pessimist in me, you just feel like they're doing it to make up for all the other bad stuff they've done. Yeah, I agree. Um I think that's also quite a difference from our side around corporate social responsibility, CSR, which has been banded around for far too long for what? For making or massaging over a message that has been kind of needed to be abridged for a long time. Yeah. Um, or, or alternatively, those that we classify, those that are driven by social purpose, which are that they haven't necessarily negated what they originally set out to do in the first place, that that change that I alluded to at the start of every single company was set up to do good. Well, not do good, sorry, that's the wrong term. Um, To make change, to make a difference in whatever capacity they felt. I feel like CSR in particular, sometimes, uh, if handled poorly, just looks like an appendage. And it's, you're absolutely right, it's quite transparent. And I think that's quite a lovely kind of prospect to look at. that your customers can see that, like you, you're actually right. You're probably thinking of a number around straight away that you classify as you've you've not exactly helped what you're um, preaching at the moment. You don't stand for that, and I think people and customers are savvy. They see through it all the way, and more and more I see that the increase in these activities from a CSR perspective, those people are losing traction with their market, where actually people now in the world are looking for uh, not just that nature of um, wonder or opportunity, but also they want their satisfactions met in a sustainable way. I think the world, as I said before, 
it's a horrible, daunting thing to say to me that the world, the world is going to pot. But at the same time, the next generation of people are inheriting a world that, at the moment, is a little bit bereft of natural resources, wondering opportunities instead. Is that the prospect of uh, some crazy guy with a horrible haircut um, pressing a nuclear button at any point? And these kids aren't going to inherit anything. And if they do, like we're already handing over the keys to something like a world that simply, I just think, isn't looking after itself. And more and more, the next generation are just done with it. I think they're going to solve. Uh, all the problems that they inherit themselves, and I think they need to be supported um, through that. So that's my answer to that one. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And um, have you got any kind of examples of of, of organisations, companies, etc., doing some great work in this space? Like, I appreciate you know there's there's still a yeah. lot more work to be done, but who in your mind is kind of really standing out and leading the charge in this area at the moment? Um, it's interesting. I don't know if it's leading the charge, if I'm honest. I think one big thing from our side would be think globally, I think, act locally, which always kind of comes up a lot. And I think that's a prospect of change in particular environments and all the rest. Um, it's quite an interesting, interesting prospect of just creating uh, short steps towards creating bigger change. So uh, you look, I'm not sure about leading companies, but people like Unilever and Edelman is is quite interesting to me. So uh, Unilever, we've uh, worked with them through their Dirt is Good campaign, which has been really interesting. Um, and that's a brand uh, where Unilever has started to build brands around purpose and sustainability, um, which I think they called it the sustainable living brands, I think. Um, they've seen... Uh, really interesting growth, which they reported uh, last year. I think they had something like uh, 60% of uh, the co- company's total growth came from those sustainable living. Uh, that's brands. amazing. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty amazing. Well, I think it was actually, uh, it's quite controversial, and I don't think it's necessary for me to kind of uh, comment on uh, just how they're led, because shareholders in particular, there's a lot of kind of um, resistance uh, to it because they see that it's a one person's political game and actually they're, they're interested in the profits. I think they got to such a big stage, obviously, because they're Unilever, that it's kind of, it's a new venture. And for me, I just think that's from a, the level that Unilever are playing at to then see just the effect that they're producing across their brands and the aspiration and just the balls to do it with those brands is really interesting across the world. Um, so that's interesting for me. I think through that we met, um, <laughs> through that we met Will Smith and Jaden, uh, his son at Can Lions, uh, which was a really cool experience for multiple different reasons. Um, I got to take the mickey out of Will Smith briefly, which was quite fun. Um, but Jaden, <laughs> when he was 11, Jaden, um, Jaden wanted to do a uh, project which is about, um, well, it's carbon footprint, but in particular, he uh, realized that he was wading through had like loads of waste, loads of plastic. Um, he's a kid growing up in California, I think. So, yeah, those probably got in the way. Um, and he wanted to reduce the family's uh, carbon footprint. So, uh, with the help of his family, secretly, um, they formed a company which is called Just Water. I don't know if you both have seen it. That's quite May cool. have heard of that. Have you? So it's, you've probably seen Jaden in particular because he looked a little bit crazy in loads of uh, pictures because he was holding up this very distinct water bottle to his ear, uh, pretending it was a phone. And actually, it was his way of just kind of getting the message out, which I thought was quite cool. Um, but that bottle in particular and how they um, source that water, that bottle is uh, 82% um, now made from uh, renewable uh, sources and materials, which I think is amazing. Um, and they've invested, the water company has generated the profits that have enabled them to then reinvest back into the water source so that they paid, I think, something like six times the amount um, that the competitors were um, looking to kind of pay. And they reinvested all that money back into the infrastructure to then give back to the city so that sustainable kind of practice can carry out and they don't have to then kind of look at kind of cutting and all the rest or different deals, which 
again, I think that's a really inspiring story. Yes, it helps that your last name is Smith and you're in Karate Kid and other things, but um, (laughs) again, it's someone's passion. And that was an 11-year-old saying, I can see a problem here. And just look at the wondrous stuff that you can actually do and connect people around the world. Yeah. um, There was was, uh, Method. Do you know the cleaning products method? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a company actually that you just as you're talking that got me got me thinking about you know they were definitely a challenger brand and the way that they kind of approached everything was, um, you know we out I think they 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 pretty much outsource um, everything but their marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were really passionate about making sure that the message got across. And when I say outsource, they they obviously are keeping control on what's go- going on. Um, but they don't test on animals. So they're, they're like, you know, hand cleaning, like surface cleaning products and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and they're a company that have grown through, uh, you know, a, a social good. Oh, well, I would, you know, I'm sure there's lots of definitions of this thing. But but their principle is, you know, we don't we don't want to harm the environment at all. Um, we want to we want to look after it. We don't want to test on animals like some of these other big um, organisations may or may not be um, doing. Um, and we're going to we're going to shout about it from the rafters. And um, that's actually a company that is actually a brand that I buy, kind of partly because they're a challenger brand and they've taken a different approach, but partly because I actually feel like they're they're genuinely trying to do something rather than it being that kind of superficial CSR. Yeah. Piece. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I think that's that's the thing, right? Like us as human beings, we're savvy enough for the best of times, or you'd like to think some of them, um, and we'll see we'll see through it. Like there's there's competitive advantage simply because your customers will see that the other guys who are labelled disruptive are actually becoming quite efficient at ensuring that they're producing an ethical, sustainable product which sustains your uh, needs, but then also keeps the environment flourish or the local community that it serves um going which like why wouldn't you buy into that and you can kind of sense it it's the same as dealing with people brands are people at the end of the day like it's really interesting to work with people like as individuals and market them because uh from a b2b level if you create a brand there's always this workshop or it used to be in mine that they'd say if the brand walked in the room right now how would it act? What would it say? Like, how old is it? And uh, these people can actually, these people can actually talk. Like, they can talk back. It's, it's telling them to stop talking is the issue. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's really interesting from a brand perspective. You can see if that brand starts talking completely differently to how it was, or it started coming into work wearing that Hawaiian shirt, or really it's been wearing that three-piece, everybody knows what's going on. They're having a midlife crisis, and they'll be back to normal soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's one but there's other um there's other companies which i think is interesting uh through our activities cordant recruitment's really cool like what they're doing at the moment and maybe kind of see i i hadn't known this story but they're um they're an 800 million pound revenue company recruitment company and they're turning into a social enterprise which is amazing to kind of look at that they announced that in september and uh the the board uh, kind of took about a year to get everyone kind of rallied on, on top of this. But you talk to those people and they're completely just, they're so energized by it and reinvesting back into the people that they then serve and the um, just the whole process around ensuring that people find their passions is a really interesting um, thing from their side. Uh, we met people from the Do Lectures, which Tim, I think I told you about the Do Lectures before, but... Uh, that's brilliant as, a, as an experience. Um, it's 80, 100 people camping out in Wales. Um, but I've been following just, them for a long time. And I, it's something I've, I, something I've never managed to kind of do that thing and go, go camping in Wales with 100 people. But it, it looks like a lot of fun. It really does. Uh, it really is. And actually, the stories that then came out of the weekend where it's, that kind of small group and I still keep talking about it it's given me it's given me loads of content to kind of discuss including keeping me on air here at the moment but um one of the guys uh his name is Greg he runs uh Emico, which is a chair furniture company in America quite big they used to produce the um navy with uh these particular chairs which are really lightweight and great for ships 
and um, Coca-Cola came to them about collaborating because Coca-Cola have got a real problem, as we all know, uh, in regards to landfill. And uh, they came to them with a proposition of uh, upcycling the plastic bottles uh, to turn it into a chair, which is a new chair line from them, which is 100% uh, made of waste plastic, which I think is uh, a brilliant endeavour. And yeah, uh, I think that stuff, and in particular the Do Lectures, just has a hundred people with similar stories that were actually doing this stuff, which is incredible. And um, the last one I'll give you is the, uh, the Roundhouse. Uh, you know, the music venue yeah. Roundhouse, which everyone's yeah. like, that's just an incredible, iconic uh, venue in London. Well, I didn't actually know it's a charity at all. Um, and everything that then goes on, say, up top, so to speak, at the Roundhouse, uh, all of the profits go underneath the Roundhouse, which is for um, 11 to 25-year-olds. They call it the Young Creatives Programme, I think, which is... Um, yeah, it's full of TV studios, radio studio, cool. um, music, uh, recording facilities, everything. And uh, yeah, their stuff, it's like 20 quid, 25 quid for these kids. 52% um, of them are from disadvantaged backgrounds. And you think, wow, how iconic the Roundhouse would do it. They've been doing this quietly for years. Yeah. Incredible. But anyway, so I hope that answers your question. I think there's, there's examples of it everywhere. And actually, what's surprising to me um, is that quite a lot of it just goes under the radar. And I think quite rightly, if I'm honest, some of it, you, you expect it from people that turn it into a marketing communications exercise to say, look, this is what we've done, this is what we've achieved. And some people can kind of sniff through that and realise what it is and what it isn't. Yeah, it's that, it's that, um, it's when it's built in from the core, right? Exactly. You know, these these uh, people, individuals that are doing this stuff aren't, none of them are natural born marketers, that's for that's for sure. They they all sort of set out on this thing, like you said, to change something. And I think there is a balance between marketing for, to, to improve everything around you with that in your core versus trying to shout about something that you've done because you, cause you think it's, it's that self-glorification of, something you're doing that is that's the wrong way around uh and yeah, it's uh, not like genuine authentic and actually you know in your dna almost isn't it? yeah Most people just kind of it's weird, it's weird, it. yeah. you, you think like for me like one of the things that i am totally and utterly perplexed by is chuggers uh so yeah. you know what a chugger is no, is somebody who works for a charity and tries to mug you on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Those guys that I keep pretending I'm on my phone with. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, like, so I'm not the only one that does that there. Pretend conversations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I find that a difficult thing. I find it difficult because I do a small amount of charity work, not as much as I used to, but still do a little bit. Um, and I'm watching these people kind of going out there, being targeted, getting paid, and 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 literally just trying to get money off you. Yeah. And while all the causes are very, very good causes, I'm not a fan of being approached in that way. Because um, no. you're a human being that's evolved, and you don't need to be sold to at the best of times anyway, right? Yeah. But yeah. That's that's what's happening with all the best brands. If you look at brand management bits, like um, my, one of my. Favourites is uh, Marty Neumeyer, who got me kind of fascinating in this. Uh, he wrote The Brand Gap and um, The Brand Flip and Zig. Or was it yeah. Zig? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. One, um, of them. one of them. One of them. <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he's uh, he's quite an interesting book. And he, uh, from a perspective of uh, the USP, nobody wants to be sold to anymore. They want to buy. And it's not a unique proposition in a way that you're a singular person. You're actually, you want to associate yourself with a tribe you want to associate associate yourself with a group of people that you may or may not have ever met um, but you feel aligned as in part of their community and you want to fit in and so those chuggers which i'm definitely going to use in the street now um, <laughs> do they know they're called chuggers instead i i think they might do okay because just in case i call them a chugger and they might punch me at least i can say <laughs> joe told me i'm really sorry it's my first use of the term <laughs> <laughs> well anyway i think that's you're right it's the wrong approach more than anything i think everyone realizes that the charity that they represent 
um, is uh, fueled by hopefully good. Um, it's just the way that they approach you, which I think marketers have a lot of responsibility when you get down to the granular bits. Um, I think the tactic and the way you're going about executing, I think, can be a lot better and more, a lot more aware and stringent on just how we all interact. I would definitely, definitely agree with that. Cool. So, uh, kind of mindful of, of time, we've uh, we've kind of kept you, and more importantly, your uh, your colleagues out of your office. That's all right. <laughs> the they they should be working. Half an um, hour. I so. might pop my head around the corner in a minute and just Basically make sure that's happening. Frozen happens. to death or whatever. But um, <laughs> I guess just to kind of close this out, if there was kind of one tip you were going to give, um, you know, marketing leaders in particular around how they position a social good initiative to, to their wider business. Um, do you have any kind of advice or any kind of, you know, um, takeaway kind of tips or tricks for, for folks to kind of think about? Um, yeah, I think, well, I hope so. If not, <laughs> this is going to be a long end to the conversation, Tim, where I start thinking about it. Um, I think from my bits, I've always been curious, I would say. Um, I think if you're in marketing, I think every aspect of your job is to ask questions. Um, and if it isn't, then I suppose you can start with this one, which is why are you in marketing if it isn't? Um, you know, I've got a four-year-old boy. Uh, he asks the best questions on earth, which is just incredible. My other half uh, yesterday, actually, uh, she said to him, did you know? And that's the number one thing which gives your attention straight away if you're four or even if you're, I don't know how old I am, 34, I think. Am I? Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, but did you know that four-year-olds like you ask up to 400 questions a day? And he replied instantly and said, when I'm five, I'm going to ask 500 questions. And when I'm six, I'm going to ask 600 questions. I'm like, yeah. Awesome. And I was like, okay, first, your mental maths are fantastic. Are you mine? Not sure. Um, and the second bit from my side is, where did it stop? So when do we stop asking these questions? Because um, his theory is right. And I think more and more, I think people can learn from that approach in particular. I know where it stopped, which is the education system. And I know Tim, I've waxed lyrical in a pub about that many a time. Um, but I think the biggest tip and takeaway from this really is asking questions. So before you do it, ask yourself why. Understand why. So if it comes from a motivation to appeal to your customers to sell more goods, as you said, Joe, then chances are it's not going to work out and you're going to be sus quite quickly. Um, if you firmly believe in it, ask yourself why not? Why haven't you done it before? Um, it's always quite useful. Uh, ask your customers. And I think the other one is ask your colleagues as well. I think the approach that Corden are doing at the moment is that they're really doing a big exercise in understanding just who they are and empowering their employees. And I'd imagine that everyone in the uh, organizations that you work in have a story or have a plight and a passion that they want to kind of address and attack. And quite honestly, quite a lot of these things are actually um, best kind of shared out and you can kind of assemble a really mean kind of group internally that I think understand your brands to the core because they're living it um, but also human beings that have multiple different kind of aspects to their life that I think you just could fit in quite nicely even before you reach out and kind of do your thing with a marketing message but it has to be authentic I think that's that's really the buzzword and that's the word that keeps on following us with whoever we work with is it's got to be real. It's got to come from somewhere. And actually, you have the aspiration to then do good. Then there's no problem in doing well by doing it. Um, but as long as it's authentic. No, I agree. That authenticity is is absolutely key. And um, no, there's some really thought-provoking stuff there. So uh, thanks so much, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Um, just, just finally, how do people find you all the great work you're doing like what's your website twitter all that good stuff we'll put this in the show notes as well of course but um how do people find you um in a pub um <laughs> best place find, yeah best place and <laughs> uh, they could find me on uh twitter i'm Anthony, which is a play on my name anthony uh, my mate can say it and it's kind of stuck with me um <laughs> and uh our company's never gray which is never gray.org um, so yeah, follow us there. 
Very cool. And we, we will put those in the uh, the show notes, so uh, they'll be easy thank to you. find. So, um, thank you. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time there. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm actually going to melt in this little phone booth, so um, I'm going to have to get out and get some fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a quick interview, too. Yeah, You're right. I'm literally going to die. Fade me uh, fast, clearly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that little reference to a pub, and now I can't think about anything else other than IPA. Not good. Well, you know where so, I live, so yeah, let me know. Indeed, indeed. No, <laughs> thanks again, mate. Really, really appreciate it. We'll, um, uh, yeah, hopefully get this out in the next kind of week or so. Um, Sounds we'll awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Appreciate that. Cheers, mate. Yeah, likewise. Stuff. Take Thank care. You. Speak soon. Anthony's such a cool guy, isn't he? I just love the, yeah. uh, the mission that those guys are on. Super cool. Yeah, totally. I, uh, it made me laugh when I we spoke kind of before the interview started and he said, he said, uh, yeah, we, we've been on a panel together. I was like, really? <laughs> I can remember that. It's such remember a small well. marketing world. Yeah. <laughs> such a small marketing world. Yeah, but yeah, I ended you up. You probably didn't have w- the big beard at that point. Maybe that was it. No, no. I actually thinking back, I think he did. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually, um, mind you, I don't think it was as big maybe, but I do, I do remember pouring, um, a glasses of water for everybody in front of a hundred people and being the most surreal thing in my life that I had to just mention <laughs> the fact to the crowd that this is the first time I've ever been watched by a hundred people pouring water. <laughs> and so, no yeah, pressure, you know what I mean? No, like, none, none. <laughs> I was like that, you know, handshake it like crazy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that was good. He's a decent dude and I, I, I like what he stands for and what he's trying to do and deliver. Yeah, yeah, it's such a cool agency and, um, you know, they're, they've only been going for... Kind of year, 18 months or whatever, but I've already made just such a big impact. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of following their progress and everything over the, the coming kind of, you know, months and years and stuff. And um, yeah, they're just uh, just a super cool bunch of people, really. So yeah. uh, it was really great to have him on the show. Definitely. And he's got a vlog worth following as well. It's really well produced. Yeah, yeah, no, he's really great. He's definitely a bit of a, a kind of filmmaker as well. So uh, yeah, all round good guy. Yeah. So should we get on to the whole personalization thing? Yeah, sounds and good. Talk a bit about data. So I haven't really honestly been following this Cambridge Analytica Facebook data breach stuff um, that closely. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it feels just like a bit more noise where the media have got hold of it and are probably blowing it into all kinds of crazy proportions. Um. But it does bring up that whole kind of conversation around trust with brands and and all that kind of stuff. And it is these big global kind of events that are well reported that do drop, um, you know, people's trust. I've had mates on Facebook saying I'm deleting Facebook and have done so. Um, They've stayed on Instagram and WhatsApp, you know, so I'm not (laughs) sure. But but. It's interesting to see the effect that some of this stuff actually has. Yeah, I mean, it's been um, a, pretty, a pretty extensive kind of, you know, delete Facebook campaign, isn't there? And, uh, you know, whether people have actually just kind of like, you know, put their accounts on hold rather than actually full on deleted it, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, there is a big um, a big kind of backlash and stuff. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of spoken to this a little bit on, I think it was the, the first show with, uh, with Dave Coplin around um, AI and machine learning. And... The only way that that all works is with data and, you know, your own data to kind of personalize and and kind of shape that overall experience. And, you know, to your point around trust and and authenticity, if you don't trust the the, the companies that are are kind of hosting your data and and kind of using your data to to deliver these more kind of personalized um, experiences, then the whole kind of system just falls over. So, uh, you know, it's absolutely crucial that, you know, people like Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft and all these guys, um, you know, really take um, data privacy and, you know, the the responsibility they have with that data super seriously at the end of the day because, um, you know, all the great advances that we can make with technology moving forward are all underpinned by by data. So, you know, if we don't feel that we can share that data with people, then, you know, we're going to be taking a backward step. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for me, it was, I don't know, I uh, probably about a couple of years ago, I did a, a piece on 
um, data on myself, and I kind of did a presentation all about it. And I found in, in the, the 90 days that I had been browsing the web, because cookie law, 90 days, all that malarkey, I'd dropped about 4,000 cookies around 4, the web. 4,000? 4,000 in and around 90 days. And when I then looked out at the crowd of about 100 people, I went, and then you multiply my 4,000 by the amount of people in this crowd and then by the amount of people in this entire exhibition. And you just, it begins to kind of put some reality yeah, into yeah. the amount of data that's just getting passed around all the place. And the, the, in doing some of this research around, you know, what are people's attitudes towards data capture at the time, and this was like, um, uh, I think it was something like between 2016, 2017, um, there, it was trending positively towards the idea of giving away data. Like they talked about um, fundamentalists, pragmatists, and um, I can't remember the other word now, but, but effectively people that didn't care. So like fundamentalists were like, you're not touching my data with a barge pole. I'm never going to give it away. Pragmatists were like, well, I'm going to do a data exchange if if that I can see the value in it. And then this other set were effectively i don't care i'll give my data away i'm you know it's not it's not a big kind of deal kind of thing and uh it is trending towards everybody you know being more accepting of data use but like i said i think what's interesting is when things like these these data breaches ha happen uh, it, it is going to slow things down a bit and you know we all talk about um, personalization and you know while the minority report is still a very very old uh, uh, film now, you know, when he's walking through that mall and digital display boards or holograms or whatever the hell they were, were coming up and saying, hello, whatever your name is, why don't you come in here and buy this thing? You know, I, I always love the idea that, that, you know, science perpetuates art a lot, mm. you know. Um, so we will get there. How long it takes will be very much dependent on how accepting we are as a society to give away our, our data. Um, and it's funny, uh, again, I'm, I'm yet to dig into where the source of this came from, but I can't believe it. There was a study that showed um, sort of about 60% of people um, were, when asked about personalization, didn't really feel the need or want for it or, or didn't particularly like it. And then uh, it, that increased to 80% when marketers explained actually how we're targeting them. So it's like, oh yeah, we know who you are because of this, this, and this, and this is how we go about targeting you. And that put people off even more, um, <laughs> which is, it, it is, it is kind of funny. I mean, uh, but you can kind of understand it. It's like, oh Christ, I didn't realize I had that data about me. And, um, there's a great, um, tool called Wolf, Wolfgram Alpha, um, where well you can go on and Wolfgram Alpha will tell you more about yourself through Facebook than you have ever known. Like, Interesting. It, it for the told, weekend, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it told me when I'm sitting on Facebook and if I showed my boss that, he'd be a bit pissed off, even though I do work in social quite a bit. He'd be a bit like, why the hell are you on Facebook <laughs> during the day? So, so um so, yeah, I mean, I find this whole trend generally quite an interesting one. And we are always going to be treading a fine line. Um, brands do need to be responsible with data. I think the GDPR thing is an interesting one. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the research that I've done into it and how it's going to affect some of the work that I'm doing is really we just have to tighten our belts up a bit. That's really all it means to me. Um, personally, we just have to a bit more better practice than perhaps is happening within organizations right now, a bit more of a cleaner data set, which actually won't be a bad thing because hopefully a cleaner data set means better conversion, maybe less of it, but at least it's better. Uh, and yeah, hopefully it's that will like quality over quantity. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'd rather have, you know, 500 people on my database that are actually engaged and care and actually have the potential to convert rather than 10,000 people that just don't even know that they're in the first place, quite frankly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, I don't know what you use for your, like we're talking about email. I don't know what you use in terms of managing your, your email. For me, I use Google um, inbox. Mm -hmm. That's like my, 
my go-to, at least for my personal email, my work email sitting on Outlook. I don't have a choice on that front uh, or whatever, Office 365. But, um, you know, for me, Google Inbox, it's filtering so much stuff for me already. I barely read. Yeah, you know, I'll get 100 emails, 200 emails a day sometimes sitting in my because I've just over the years subscribed to so much random stuff that yeah. I can't even remember what it is. And Google Inbox just sorts everything for me into, is it a purchase, is it a generic update, you know, is it obviously junk, but, you know, is it coming from a friend? And it kind of sorts it all for me automatically. So I will literally just go, yeah, I'm not going to read those 40 email updates because I've just got no interest in them. And it will only be on a weekend when I'm, you know, I don't know, on the rare occasion that I can sit down, have a cup of coffee and, and browse my email rather than it being a pure kind of work thing. Yeah, yeah. Do I flick through things and find interesting stuff out? But but email for me now is, you know, I, I'd say 95, probably even 98% of my email I never even look at, like yeah, from a personal well, point I'm, of view. I'm totally the same. I mean, I, I don't use Google Inbox, but... Um, yeah, from a personal mail perspective, uh, I'm probably one of those few people that do actually use Outlook.com. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it has a similar kind of feature where it kind of has this, like, focused inbox and then other. Um, yeah. And that focused inbox is is basically the email you actually do want to get. Um, yeah, everything yeah. Everything else is just, like, all those random newsletters and what have you yeah. that you've subscribed to over the years. But, yeah, um, but yeah it definitely makes things easier. But You, can, um, you can take yeah. Microsoft out of the boy, but you yeah. can't, or, or the other way around. You can take the boy out of Microsoft, <laughs> but you can't take Microsoft out of the boy. Right? <laughs> yeah, it literally cut me in. There we go. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's all good, mate. It's all good. Outlook. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a massive Google Docs fanboy. I can't... It's just I find it the easiest thing to use, but anyway. Yeah, we will have our, our favourite little uh, kind of uh, tools and services and stuff. But um, but yeah, it's uh, no email's a good thing. But uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, GDPR. It's um, I actually see it as a a huge opportunity, really. And um, like you say, it's just you know a case of us all just tightening our belts and having a bit more rigour around you know how we capture data. You know the responsibility we all have to actually you know use that data to actually you know, enhance the the customer's experience of our brand rather than just kind of, you know, use it for our own kind of selfish needs, if you like. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty close now, isn't it? I mean, May 25th is yeah, yeah. kind of around the corner. It's going to be it interesting totally to is. see, you know, some of those initial kind of cases where, you know, the book gets thrown at people. I mean, 4% fine of overall company revenue is is pretty insane. In terms yeah. of the potential fines, I mean, I'm I'm sure they won't kind of you know go straight for the the jugular for that kind of thing. It'll be a bit of a slap on the wrist initially, but uh, I would hope anyway. But um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, four percent of overall revenue. I mean, wow. Yeah, that's, I know that's a lot of money in the world in, in the company money. that I currently live in. Yeah, the amount I mean, of uh, their projected revenues in uh, perform are. I was like, oh my god, they are proper going for it over the next couple of years. They are, wow. and they are not stopping. Mm. Um, but yeah, if we see it hit with four percent revenue, screwed, screwed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll put you know potentially some companies actually out of business. You know. Yeah, it could uh, easily do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's you know margin, or at least some that. really really pissed off stakeholders, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure the CMO at that company wouldn't last very long. So uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, do you see? Do you see? I think was it the was it this whole news that wiped off sixty billion off of Facebook's off Facebook? Um, yeah, yeah, sixty, 60 billion. billion. But it's okay because they're, they're valued at four hundred billion. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like... and, and really, <laughs> that, that's just totally funny money to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wonder how many houses if you stacked all those up as dollar bills that would make. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's literally a dropper in the ocean for them, and I'm sure just it would just Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have the cookie with his salad one day at lunch, and that's yeah. pretty much the only way he's going to be impacted. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there we go. It's crazy. Um, but, uh, so, mate, we better get on yeah. with your rant. Real marketing. Rep, 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 yeah, yeah. So uh, we haven't we haven't done a rant on the show for a, a, a few episodes, I don't think. No, but, or not um, not one of any meaning. So I'm hoping yeah. you've got so you're going to come up with the goods <laughs> on this one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know if it's it's quite up to the uh, the ones we've had previously, but um, over the weekend, um, 
I went out to Paris. I had an amazing weekend, great food, lots of nice wine, all the rest of it. Um, as I was saying earlier, I'm now officially on a diet for the next three months, but um, it was <laughs> it was totally worth it. But, um, but yeah, we took the the Eurostar out to uh, out to Paris. Um, you know, it's so much easier than flying. You get straight into the city centre. Definitely the way to go. Um, however, I planned to do a little bit of work while we were on there and had some stuff to do just in terms of research for, for while we were in, in Paris. And um, I thought, you know, we've got two and a half hours, sat on the train. Um, you know, they advertise they have Wi-Fi. So I thought, perfect. You know, I can just kind of, you know, churn some, some email out and all that good stuff. So I get on the uh, on the train and 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 yeah, you know they make a big deal of the fact that they've got got Wi-Fi. So you know, jump onto the network, comes up with this kind of login page, and there's access to all sorts of like free content and all the rest of it. It was like okay, that's yeah. lovely, but you know I've got stuff to do. So okay, so <laughs> now I'm on the email, and I was like, okay, I'll just look to to load up a web page. And well, to cut a long story short, if you want to remember what the internet was like in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> take the train to Paris. It is woeful, absolutely woeful. And unfortunately, that's not the only time you experience really bad internet connection. So, you know, you go into Starbucks. They make a big thing, in fact, they've got free Wi-Fi. Yeah, you plan to, you know, you buy your coffee, you plan to spend an hour there doing some work or whatever. You open up your, your, your laptop and, yeah, it's practically unusable. And I appreciate yeah. these are free Wi-Fi services, but don't offer them if they don't work. Ugh, I'd totally rather crazy. not have access to the internet. Just say you don't <laughs> offer it. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah. don't even go there. And It's, yeah, it's my... really funny that I was like, honest, I was in a coffee establishment. I can't remember which one it is, and I'm not going to shame anybody, but... <laughs> I was trying to have a Skype call and it was just the most ridiculous thing. I ended up switching the Wi-Fi off and going back onto 4G and had a better conversation. Yeah, I was just like, for God's sake. It's crazy just, it's and it happens dumb. all the time. But it's, it's almost like a rarity to actually find like half-decent Wi-Fi. And I'm not saying we need to be able to download a you know, full-on movie in 30 seconds or something. But no. you know, to be able to load a web page would not be an yeah. outrageous ask, you know? <laughs> <laughs> download your email. Yeah, quite. Even just, yeah. even just have a Skype call, even without the video. Like, yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not exactly bandwidth intensive a, a voice call on Skype or whatever, but um, but yeah. So I guess uh, guess my rant is, if you're going to offer something, just just do it properly or don't even bother. Quite frankly, yeah. You know, it, I'm, it definitely I'm with impacts you the experience. As great as the Eurostar was, like yeah. I got really frustrated. And again, you know, I, I experienced this in in coffee shops and all sorts of places that supposedly offer. Um, Wi-Fi and it's just uh, yeah, it's just super frustrating. Maybe, so maybe maybe in our true geeky way, we should start shaming Wi-Fi hotspots using Swarm or something like that. <laughs> so every time we check in, we start <laughs> like we can score. You know, like how they do UK snow, the hashtag yeah. where you like yeah, put in the postcode yeah, hashtag bad Wi-Fi <laughs> and a score out of uh, out of ten or whatever. So and then we'll start plotting a map of where all the good and bad Wi-Fi is. Totally going to do that. I mean, I'm already a pretty sort of sad Wi-Fi geek anyway. You know that kind of speed <laughs> test app? Oh, wow. You oh, you go there, do you? I go there. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I clearly need to get out more, but... Um, but yeah, you most so, definitely do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm probably the, the worst person to, to kind of be uh, kind of talking to this kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, that's my, my rant for this week. Wicked, like it. Feel like we've got some anger out, which is what it's yes, all about. I feel really. Now. I'm like, nice. I put nice. the scented candles away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hot stones. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> right. Well, we might as well wrap up. Uh, yeah. Let our listeners get on with their day to day life. Um. Glad we're going to get this uh, show out. We'll, we'll definitely try. I think let's let's aim for monthly. So we'll try and produce this once a once a month. Um, oh, I guess the other thing, and I guess it might feel a little bit like old news, but the whole Instagram shoppable posts. You heard about those? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we really run away. Cool. I mean, before that it's was kind of a cool in, new uh, thing in Shopify, but now it's all built into uh, into Instagram Insta- Direct. Yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. It's about time they kind of did it. It would be interesting to see what kind of numbers it drives over 
over the time. It, I wonder how. Um, I like the way I like the way genuinely like the way that they are trying to um, fit in with people's lives. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not like I want to buy something. I go somewhere and I buy something. It's more like oh, I see that and a bit more off of a whim I'm like oh yeah they're really nice so I'm going to grab those now I quite yeah, like that a native kind of experience isn't it I guess. yeah, yeah. Back, I think they've actually yeah. implemented that really well um, yeah yeah really good so uh, no I think a little little hat tip to uh, to Instagram there on, yeah. uh, on, on what they've done pretty cool yeah cool alright well that'll, let's leave it there mate um, yeah well good uh, good fun catching up uh, yeah great always great show and um, obviously Good shout out to the listeners for all those uh, five-star reviews you're going to be leaving us on iTunes. So uh, <laughs> thanks in advance for those. Thanks for listening to Real Marketing Rap. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to share the word. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe and Tim at T Bush. Big shout out to DJ Tiger Style for the music. You can check him out on DJTigerStyle.com. For more about us, join our WhatsApp group. You can check that out on RealMarketingRap.com. Peace out, people, and keep it real till next time. The bloopers. Yeah, talking about <laughs> diets, I'm eating a sausage sandwich, so Good sorry man. about that. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Hilarious. Hello, Hello. Mate. you're right. Hello. All right. Oh my word! Look, it's your face. Can you, you see go. mine? Uh, no. Good. That's that's the better. That's, to be honest, <laughs> that's how I'll do it from now on. Yeah, Good. I, mean, I should probably do that as well. No, I'm in this like little phone booth at the office. It's literally like a sweat box. I'm like <laughs> dripping. I'm like, oh my god. Maybe anyway. I should um, maybe I should stay watching you just in case like yeah. you kill over it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Please Tim. bring like supplies, probably yeah, IPA, exactly. and we'll be fine. <laughs>